sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match us. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. Hey, everybody, this is Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. And this is Patrick Riccardi. And this and week. Oh, no, go ahead. This week we're doing Amazing Spider-Man uh, 121 and 122 versus Private Eye by Brian K. Vaughan. Yeah, uh, comic books. Comic books. And yes. the, the Private Eye comic book is a strictly online comic book, right? Yes, yes, they're yeah, trying is... something new out. Pay what cool. you can and only online, no, no printing. Yeah, they're using the Radiohead model. Um, although I'm sure it will be uh, put out as a graphic novel, the series, at some point. Uh, uh, they usually are. Well, it, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it, it, didn't, it didn't seem like that was uh, definitely planned, but I guess if it's popular enough, they will. And, uh, well, we literally just did our last podcast a day ago, so there's not too much new been going on since then. Um, I lost a leg. But other right. than that... But you'll find it. Everything, yeah. It's it's got it's always the last place you look. Yeah, probably on your hip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I refuse to look at my hips, not oh. until I've been at the gym more. It's <laughs> a good uh, way to go. Uh well, oh here's there was a little something I want to talk about that's uh, entertainment related. Um, all this crowdfunding, you know, uh, like Zach Braff was doing for his follow-up to garden state which i would have thought would be a film nobody would have wanted but he <laughs> got the money um <laughs> i guess you never I, run out of whiny 20 somethings in the world so <laughs> i don't I, for for some stuff i like the veronica mars crowdfunding i, I well i guess it's because some, it's something i want to say but i don't get the zach praff one it, it seems like he would have been able to get the money already because garden state made a lot of money well and he was on scrubs for however many years um yeah so it almost seems greedy that well, they're going to crowdfunding kind of i mean the dude's rich he's not hurting for money but i uh on that note, I was very happy to see that uh, Zosia Mamet, who is on Girls, who's David Mamet's daughter. Um, did you hear about this one? No. She, her and her sister apparently have some uh, folk duo that they, you know, that they've started. And uh, they wrote some song, they said, like in, you know, 20 minutes. And uh, they did a Kickstarter campaign so that they could make a music video for it. <laughs> And nobody gave them shit. <laughs> they wanted thirty-two thousand dollars, and I think they ended up getting like nine hundred dollars or or something, something stupid like that. So, so even David Mamet, who makes thirty-two thousand dollars when he thinks about Glenn Glarick and Ross, wouldn't even support this project. Yeah, apparently not. Or maybe they're on the outs with him. Um, he has gone Republican, so who knows? <laughs> uh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see that happen. I didn't know he went Republican. Yeah, yeah, he turned totally conservative. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, but he he wrote. I think he even wrote a book um, just full of conservative rants. I don't know. Nine Eleven changed everything. You know. Um, but the, yeah, so they couldn't. They couldn't get the money, uh, which, which made my heart happy. That uh, yeah. So uh, we we got cut off there, but uh, but I think. I think that bodes well for the future of uh, celebrity Kickstarter campaigns. I I like Kickstarter. I like that uh, people. It's a great can, idea. Yeah. And but yeah, I I do think the Zach Braff kind of thing is is it 
isn't a good thing for it. I, I think small ideas are good, and maybe some big ideas like Veronica Mars, and maybe the Zach Braff idea is good. I don't know. Yeah, I think I, it's I, you know it's I'm not opposed to it just because I don't like it. If if there are enough people that like it and want to fund it, then good. I mean, yeah, you know, go ahead and and why not? Uh, I'm just glad to see there's some sort of uh, backlash. <laughs> Happening if only there are a way to give negative money. <laughs> Take money out of the account. Well, anonymous, get on it. <laughs> yeah, so do some good. That's all they do is good, Pat. Oh, I'm sorry. Do do some good that uh, benefits this podcast. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you can you can uh, you can probably find my PayPal account. Um, you are anonymous, after all, and uh, <laughs> just just throw some money my way. Why not? <laughs> That was supposed to go to David Mamet's daughter's video for her folk song that she wrote in 20 minutes. Yeah, I'll take that 900. So when you started that conversation, I thought I thought you it was something that you enjoyed. And then you said it took them 20 minutes to write the song. And I was like, oh, where are we going with this? Oh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> there was not a chance I was going to enjoy a folk song from uh, one of the actresses on Girls. <laughs> Peter's Scolari folk song, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, one of the actors on Girls, for sure. <laughs> Actresses, you know, I, you know how I feel. I, uh, I think. W- never mind. I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> I'm not even going to make the joke. It's too stupid. <laughs> uh, other news for you. I have decided, and I'm saying it on this podcast, just because uh, then I'll be forced to do it. Because you know, Ooh, it's I, an event. Yeah, you know how the uh, the perception of strangers really dictates how I live my life. Uh, <laughs> But I've decided to go to college. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, as people may not know, although they should be able to gather from just hearing me talk, I am an uneducated swine. <laughs> but I'm thinking uh, audio engineering. Oh, that's that's perfect. Yeah, uh, is... perfect for somebody who couldn't even figure out GarageBand <laughs> for three Are you, weeks. But... Is, it's, uh, it's a program you've already looked into locally? Locally, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I shouldn't front like I've looked into it too much. But yes, they it, there is a program locally. So uh, I'm thinking of doing it. Um, well, that's fantastic. Night classes, so you'll still be working? or Oh, yeah. I, I have to work, dude. Okay. Um, I know how you, you have that work ethic. You, if you don't work, you can't live. I'm like a shark. If I stop working. <laughs> I didn't know sharks were like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. You, you never... Uh, Taking your car to a shark mechanic? <laughs> Done in two minutes. <laughs> this is a dumb conversation. Um, oh, another thing. It's all about me today, I guess. Uh, I've decided not to use the word retarded anymore. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, it's one of those things where the more I think about it, the more I'm like, that's not, it's not right. And, uh... And for a while, I would just say it without thinking, you know. And now I'm—that's um, not really an excuse, you know. That's the same thing that uh, that old racists used to say. Well, I I grew up calling them the N word. I can't change now. So right, I'm, yeah. Um, I'm I'm making an effort to uh, be less of a, a dickhead, I guess. It's funny how that uh, that word went from describing people to being kind of a all-purpose. Or it happened in our lifetime too. Oh yeah, and I mean, I I never, I never used it with any, uh, with any intentional malice toward anybody. Um, but 
but neither did the old racists who use the <laughs> N-word necessarily, you know? So so you don't want to be Mr. Paul Dean to be topical. Well, I do want to be Mr. Paula Dean because she's sitting on piles of cash. <laughs> yeah, but it's covered in butter. Just try to use it as my favorite, your hands. My favorite kind of cash. <laughs> and let's let's be honest, she's hot. <laughs> I hate being honest. I do too. That's for that's for the uh, lower classes. <laughs> well, All right. Uh, well, I, I I'm a, done with my stuff. So yeah, uh, if you've got something, I'm. I'm uh, participating in a wedding next week it's very exciting jim and lucy who are friends of the show but i don't i, I can't imagine it. anyone listens so they probably don't listen but so I'll they be subscribed the best. they just don't listen correct so uh i'll be best man and i'm preparing my speech and i have everything written out but i think i might do an interpretive dance instead i think you should Thank i you. i think that's missing from almost all best man speeches <laughs> maybe there's probably more here in the bay area uh that have <laughs> that include interpretive dance but i think uh east coast that's going to be that's going to be groundbreaking yeah i'm hoping oh uh so this is how do you know this guy that's my cousin oh you're oh oh cool cool um and is he getting gay married no he's <laughs> He's not. He's getting straight married. Oh, well, that's so not, that's that's not the, so I mean, exciting in this day and age. The, all the the gay marriage news doesn't really hit Pennsylvania as hard as other places because it's, there's no gay marriage here. So it's like people who are gay who live in Pennsylvania can just look on other other states and be jealous. Yeah, I, I guess there's still. I mean, there are 38 states. Really, I mean, the majority of states don't don't have. Gay and the marriage. thing is, I mean, I I thought it was it was great that that the 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 one article, I don't know how it's called, but the one part of the law, the DOMA law was knocked down. But the, one of the important ones wasn't knocked down because if you're married in one state, it doesn't transfer to other states like a, 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 a heterosexual marriage right, does. Right, right. And uh, so that's still that part of DOMA is still in effect. So that well, you know, that's a that's a states' rights issue that I think they don't want to get embroiled in. Right. But I think. Uh, I mean. This is the the tide of history, the way it's turning. I think it's just going to be more and more states allowing uh, gay marriage with probably uh, areas of the South being the last holdouts um, or maybe, you know, someplace like uh, Wyoming and Utah. Um, well, as another uh, friend of the show mentioned that she she was unhappy, Amy was unhappy about the fact that you were so hard on the Midwest when Iowa was one of the first states to have gay marriage. So. Well, I mean, that's great for Iowa, and I applaud them, but have you ever been to Iowa? <laughs> that's one of the few I haven't been to. I'm sure it's nice. I'm sure it isn't. <laughs> but yes, good for you, Iowa, uh, for being one of the first. Um, oh, one more thing before we actually get into it. Uh, <laughs> We're going to have a show. <laughs> why not? Why not just bullshit? This will be a, a another special episode. Um <laughs> about uh somebody somebody you know had mentioned that uh that I was uh a little harsh with you on this podcast and we should say we're good friends man yeah we, we've yeah. been friends for a long time i don't mean anything malicious toward you <laughs> i think you know that oh of course it's I've, just much funnier I... when i talk shit to you all my malicious stuff is is true though i I mean, we might be good friends, but... Yeah, you don't like me. No I, no, I don't like anyone. None of my friends do I like, but... 
Right, right. Yeah, we should we should make that clear. <laughs> no, it, yes, it, it's all in good humor. It definitely well, is all in good fun. I don't know if things we say are humorous, so I don't want to. I think I they're uh, almost far. certainly not. <laughs> um, God, dude, what, there is always something crashing <laughs> at your place. <laughs> it's an apocalypse. <laughs> wow. Um, I used my hands when I said that. I don't know if you could hear it, but I said, it's an apocalypse using my hands. I sensed it. Good. I think we're that connected. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there might be some noise here, too, because it's still hot as uh, my mama. And uh, so I've got the window open. I just can't help it. So you might... You might hear trains or motorcycles or... Uh, I, I always enjoy the train sounds. Stabbings. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> it is Oakland. It is Oakland. Uh, all right, let's get into it. So, Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, actually, you picked both of the, the things this time. So, uh, why don't you explain why you picked this particular storyline for Spider-Man? Um, I have never read it, and it's it's a story I always meant to read, and I never just just didn't. I've I've never gone right from the beginning of Amazing Spider-Man and hit it, and I just said, oh, it's it'll be interesting to talk about, and I always wanted to see. I knew what the story was going in, but I didn't know how it was written out. So it uh, uh, the storyline is the death of Gwen Stacy. It's kind of a turning point in Spider-Man and in the the kind of the comic book the history. Marvel world, yeah, yeah, and I mean, there's. What, what four ages in comic books, the golden age of the forties and fifties. And that was uh, kind of a, the beginning where all, a lot of superhero comics and then uh, the seduction of innocent, innocent came out and juvenile delinquency was blamed on comic books. So uh, there was less after that. Right. They, changed. that was like a lot of EC comics um, with the like tales from the crypt and all the horror stuff. And right. And even the, the superhero books changed after that. They had to, tone things down a lot of the uh, cr- uh the crimes committed were different like the joker was much different after that and uh so there's a and just the production of books went down at, with the end of world war ii but then uh the end of the 50s the silver age and uh, uh, uh more superhero characters were created like the flash was brought back and new flash was brought back and marvel came in and all the marvel characters created and the death of gwen stacy is one of the one of the stories that's credited with like this was a change from the silver age to the bronze age where stories became more realistic and kind of for not an older audience but an audience that grew up with comics and wanted things to be more sophisticated so you had the, the death of gwen stacy there's another book i think the green arrow where there was a, a his his robin type character was addicted to heroin so just things became grittier just, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh and and uh, I don't know if you mentioned it, but but uh, after the the whole uh, what was the name of the book? Seduction of the Innocent. Seduction of the Innocent. After that whole thing, uh, the the comic books came up with uh, basically something akin to the Hayes Code for films, where they did self censoring and and things had to be approved by the what the Comics Code comic. Yeah, Comics Code Authority. And the interesting thing about that was it was the big the big players put that together, and they. According to Bill Gaines, who was the head of EC Comics, they they didn't like him, so a lot of the rules were specifically against him. Right. So the big EC Comics were the horror comics and the war comics, and a lot of the Comics Code Authority stuff was no no like no no bloody death, which happens a lot in the war comics, and no no uh, supernatural stuff, and that happens a lot in the in the horror comics. So he kind of got screwed. Right. Much like the PMRC was aimed specifically at hip hop and uh, to a lesser extent heavy metal. 
they oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, they But that didn't work nearly as well. No, it was it was a stupid well, idea. But the thing so. with the the comics code was it was like the the big the other big guys got together to kind of team up on him. Was the PMRC uh was that all Tipper Gore government based or was there companies involved with that? I think it was mostly government based and then it was a uh, because I don't think uh I don't think the record companies voluntarily put the uh, explicit okay. warning labels on. I think it was mandated. Uh, I, I could be wrong. I can't imagine them doing that. But uh, on the other hand, uh, the stickers uh, increased sales in a lot of cases. So maybe <laughs> they maybe they were for it. <laughs> By the way, listeners, our podcast has that sticker on it. Explicit. <laughs> Pat in his filthy fucking mouth. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so the death of Gwen Stacy. Uh, I was gonna I was gonna ask you um, because I was never a huge Spider-Man reader. Um, like I said, I was I was more X-Men and Avengers um, when I was a kid. But uh, so Gwen Stacy died. Now was this something that they retconned later and Gwen Stacy came back or? No, the, the one thing Marvel's done well is they've never brought in. You know how they they might have a graphic novel where she comes back in a different way, but in the the like the continuity of the main character they never brought Gwen Stacy back they did do a a terrible terrible thing where they changed what happened and i don't even want to get into it but she would, she never came back to life and that's the important thing that's good yeah well i mean uh, and we we touched on this briefly uh in the in the batman episode i think but but the x men movies um that was in no way representative of the representative of the of the x-men that i read um and i don't know if they totally uh did a reboot on that in the comics or not but you know the way phoenix died and and everything um oh that that movie was i don't think that movie's worth watching or even thinking about that was that was a really bad movie yeah the the third x-men the third the first two were were not consistent with the stories but i thought they were pretty consistent with the characters right two x-men movies the, yeah, character. I mean, they got the the basic feel of of uh, what the X Men were about without without uh, being tied to the actual origin stories, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. But well, I want they're doing okay. Days of Future Past is going to be the next X Men movie, and I can't wait to see how they fuck that up because that was one of my favorite uh, storylines. <laughs> well, you know, one of the reasons it's said that they want to do Days of Future Past is because Brian Singer, the director of the first two, and the director of the Days of Future Past movie wants to make the uh, existence of the third movie take it out of existence. So that's what this it's a time travel movie, so they're going to take it out of existence. Well, uh, bravo to him for knowing his own weaknesses. <laughs> well, he didn't do the third movie. He had oh. oh, okay, so I can't fault him. No, he, he did the Superman movie that no one liked instead. Okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, Sorry, go ahead. Before you read this, did you know what was going to happen? I knew about the death of Gwen Stacy because I started obviously the, the uh, this storyline's from '73. I was only three years old. I wasn't reading them, but I did start reading comics around '76. Um, okay. And mostly Marvel, so I knew I knew most of what was going on in the Marvel universe at that time. So I, yeah, I did know when I saw the uh, the cover for the first one where uh, you know he says one of my friends is going to die. Uh, okay. You I, knew. I basically knew what was coming. <laughs> I I do wonder because I, I I it was not. One thing you have to respect about, well, I think you have to respect about this. It was not, I don't think it was, they didn't kill her just to sell books. Like the, it, the in the 80s, they killed Robin. I think that was just to sell books. But this was something, I don't know if it was a good reason to kill a character. From what I read, the, uh, 
Jerry Conway, who wrote, uh, was writing Amazing Spider-Man at the time and who went on to be a TV writer, um, said that they didn't have anywhere to go. They didn't want to get Peter Parker to get married, and they didn't think it would be realistic if they broke up. So they felt like this was the only only place to go with this character. So uh, I don't know if that's a good reason to kill off a character, but it didn't. It didn't even reading the book. It didn't feel like they did this just to to sell more books. Yeah, no, and it's it's cool because uh, I mean it's something they did later on, like in the '80s and later, uh, all the fucking time. It seems right. Like, to just yeah. kill off everybody and uh, and then bring them back to life somehow. <laughs> um, but I think I think it it kind of a. Uh, it mirrored uh, what was going on in the culture in, in film and stuff too. You know, it was a whole, you know, that whole uh, easy riders and raging bulls uh, period uh, of seventies and late sixties uh, and seventies filmmakers uh, where they were, they were going for a more uh, realistic and uh, not quite so happy approach to mm-hmm. the things, um, which, yeah, no, I thought it was cool. And, and in the, uh, in the comic book, uh, New York is is like a big cesspool, like it was in in seventies <laughs> yeah. films too. Just a giant toilet. <laughs> One unimportant nit- nitpick: the bridge where Gwen Stacy dies is referred to as George Washington Bridge, but it's clearly the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't notice that, but yeah, <laughs> it it did look like the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, uh, well, but you know that was the that was the thing about Marvel too was that uh, that set them apart they they set their their stories in the real world not in in made-up cities like metropolis like uh dc did you know yeah and in new york it really is a part of the books it's not it's not just set there it, it's a it's a big part of it like they do talk about locations like spider-man's from queens and stuff happens in the bronx it's, it, it's most stuff happens in manhattan but you know they they make it important where things happen yeah yeah and and marvel did that uh throughout Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout yeah, my reading of, of, the of X-Men, what, X-Men or what in Westchester, Westchester County. Yeah. Um, uh, well, one thing, uh, that I thought was hilarious right at the beginning of the, of the first issue, 121, um, which just shows you it was definitely set in 73 was that Harry Osborne had, uh, dropped acid and, uh, <laughs> the doctor explained that that made him schizophrenic. So as a bit of, uh, the reefer madness touch to that. <laughs> yeah. That was great. <laughs> Peter Parker or Spider-Man said something about um, reality is not always so great, but it's better than burning up your brain on mind soap. Mind <laughs> soap. I, <laughs> I love that line. Um, I do like the uh, I do like the purple prose in uh, in some of the comic books from that period. I only wrote one thing down, but uh, it was a description uh, of of this guy running like a man ridden by some demonic hag. <laughs> but it's definitely a marvel stanley thing to to have that kind of writing yeah 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 <laughs> but i have to say i credit comic books with uh making me far more literate than i probably would have been because <laughs> it's making me read it's making me read and and i uh and you know using words that i didn't understand at age six and and would right. have to kind of just uh, gather their meaning on my own or look them up in the dictionary. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that that I did that's uh, when I was a kid, every time they would say voila, I would read it as viola. So for a long time, <laughs> I, I thought people shouted viola for no reason when they were excited. <laughs> I didn't read superhero books until I was older. When I was around six, I, I was reading Mad Magazine, which had, had the same effect. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. And, 
politics and movies I never would have watched but enjoyed reading the parodies of anyhow. Yeah, I, I mean, I can I think for my sense of humor, what there is of it, I can credit Mad Magazine and uh, later Cream Magazine, which I talked about before, which was really uh, which was a music magazine. It was really well written and uh, kind of absurdist. I think I can credit uh, David uh, Late Night with David Letterman and Mad Magazine. <laughs> well, those are those are good. Uh, those are good inspirations. <laughs> yeah, that that version of Letterman. I don't know how funny he is now. He seems more bitter than funny. But yeah. I guess I'm pretty bitter too. Yeah, I mean it, it comes with age. <laughs> I think uh, I've I've seen Letterman just here and there, um, you know, uh, just a few segments lately, and it it just seems to me that every time anybody says a single sentence, there's applause. So there's like yeah. applause throughout the show, um, no matter if anything was funny or or important or not, which is strange to me it's kind of like a uh throwback to like 70s variety shows with you know donnie and marie or sonny and Cher or something <laughs> it's it's a bizarre way to do things but um i guess the guy who runs the applause lights uh has job security <laughs> yeah the, uh it it was uh it was a good time for comic books when when this one was written because Did- did you enjoy this this two series this two books uh, story? Yeah, I thought it was okay. Yeah. Oh well, we should mention also the Green Goblin died. Um, although I feel like that's something that must have been retcon because I, I remember him appearing later when I was reading. Uh, well, I don't know how quickly it was retcon that he didn't die. At some point, they uh, used a schizophrenic the schizophrenic son as the Green Goblin. That oh, just for like a in while. the movie with uh, James Franco. Oh yeah, yeah that that was a, a long going storyline. So I don't know, but yeah, eventually they brought the father back to life through some machination. Didn't make any sense, and it was, it was stupid. So yeah, he's I think even currently in the Marvel universe he's alive. I don't keep up with Spider Man really well, but yeah, he didn't stay dead, unlike Gwen Stacy. They used to say that Gwen Stacy and Bucky were the two characters in Marvel who would never come back to life, but I think they might have brought back Bucky. I'm not sure. Who? Oh, Bucky was Captain America's sidekick. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, something that uh, uh, was in the culture much later, in like 99 or 2000, there was a, a comic book fan. She created a website called Women in Refrigerators. And it was just basically just a list of all female characters who were killed or depowered or. I saw raped that online, yeah, yeah. Or hurt because of. Um, I mean, to, to further the story of a male character. And well, it's based on uh, I think again the Green Arrow, a book I never read. Who had his girlfriend? He comes home and she's in the refrigerator, dead. Right, right. So, and I'm Gwen Stacy is probably an early example of that. And I'm not sure how I feel. I mean, it it is it's definitely her website was a really good point because the percentage of female characters that this happened to was huge. It was like, you know, of, of main characters, how, how many women were, uh, were killed or something happened it was just ridiculous. But in this story at work, so it's, well, I think it's something to think about. It's somewhat different. Uh, when Gwen Stacy, who is the hero's girlfriend dies, um, that's, that's kind of a trope in, in drama. Mm-hmm. Um, that that adds uh, tension and a reason for the uh, protagonist to to have a, a mission, you know. Uh, yeah, but yeah. but some of the other things she talked about in that in that refrigerator piece were were like superheroes that were women that right. were 
you know, raped or killed or lost their powers and stuff. And that's a that's a whole different thing than than this Gwen Stacy thing. I feel like that's a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, it might it's because you're taking power away. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. If it was, I mean, had had it been Spider Woman and her boyfriend had had been killed, it would have it would have worked. Uh, for the story in the same way, I feel like I. So, so yeah, I, I don't think you can put this necessarily in that category. Um, what was it? oh, and this, and just in the in the realm of Spider-Man stories, this this two story, I mean two two book story is it's like a good summing up of what the character is. Something terrible happens, and even as terrible it is, and it makes him really really pissed off, and he wants to kill, and he wants to kill. When he finally gets to the point where he would there's still so much good in the character that he doesn't. And I, I think, I think that's what, one of the things that's so awesome about Spider-Man, the character. That's one of the things I like about the character is that he will, uh, he, he has, he, he knows that he, his responsibility, he's not going to, he's not going to go beyond what he has to do, what he should do. Yeah. But he does have, uh, he does, uh, show ambivalence in this. There's a, a scene where, uh, Harry's sick in bed, and and uh, Peter Parker visits him, and Harry's like, "Please don't leave," and he's like, "I can, I can either stay here with my friend or go get revenge," and he opts to go get revenge. Right, but in, at the point where he's about to kill him, he he stops himself and says, "Good Lord, what in the name of heaven I, am I doing?" Right, which is kind of a funny, <laughs> funny dialogue, but it gets the point across. Yeah, well, the dialogue's always a little cheesy, uh, yeah. especially from that period. <laughs> right. It's kind of a transitional period. There, there's still kind of the '60s stilted stuffs going on. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, as we talked about before, in the '80s, uh, things just got kind of unremittingly dark. Right, and that's that's books. the that's the uh, they they do classify that as a modern age where or the dark age where everything's dark. And they never really, I hope they never do. They they tried to make Spider-Man dark, but it wasn't really successful. Because it, it just doesn't fit the character at all. So, right, right. He even mentions in this one that uh, he's a square. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, it was an interesting read. I don't I don't think I ever actually ever read the storyline before, um, but I I knew about it. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was cool to read. Uh, and I didn't know about the the LSD stuff. So. I knew that happened somewhere in the story. I didn't know it was at the same time. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, yeah. Drug paranoia. All right, uh, you want to move on to the next one? Sure, sure. Which is? Private Eye. It's the uh, the first issue of Private Eye by Brian K. Vaughan, and I don't remember the artist's name, which is unfortunate. Yeah, because it's really good art. Oh, it's it's... It's the first thing I when I when I read the book the first thing I, when I was finished I thought was I liked the pictures. <laughs> it was very fun. Yeah, it's it, kind of I mean I, I guess it's kind of the modern uh, comic book art style now, but so different from the uh, Spider-Man art, which was still you know uh, coming out of the the Jack Kirby uh, school kind of, even though it wasn't Jack Kirby who did it. But you know that's... right? Yeah, the same. Yeah, and it, uh, I mean. The art itself and then the coloring when you get to modern times are are so different because you know there, there's no limitation back then they had the limitation of the printing press and everything right I mean, the print, so but yeah the I the 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 world is filled in so much by the art in this private eye book there's so many subtle things that fill fill things in the the books that the the uh, 
that reporter guy reads the movie posters in his room, just just uh, even the tattoos on the on the grandfather, just really. And the 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 story in Private Eye is that it's a future where people have everybody has to have a secret identity because no one wants to share information about themselves because at some point in the past, all the information that was shared got pushed out there, so everyone knew everything about everybody. Right. All, all the uh, in, information from the internet that was in the cloud, all your personal searches and emails and everything got uh, somehow uh, published, to, for lack of a better word, uh, for the world to see. So, so everybody knew your kinks and and, and uh, secrets. And I actually read uh, all three issues. Oh really? I didn't even know. There, I I just read the first. I didn't. I haven't gone to two. I didn't even know there was a three out yet. Yeah, I think That's it just great. came out. I'll um, have to get that after we finish this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, really good. I mean, the art is is obviously good. The story is compelling. Um, it's about a well, they call him a PI, but he's really a reporter. Um, right. It, it seems like in this future, and I. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to where they go with it. The the press has become some sort of police force because early on in this book, um, the the PI paparazzi type guy is uh, found by someone from the fourth estate. He says, freeze, I'm with the fourth estate. So it seems like he's some kind of investigor, investigatory force that has powers. So, and his hat says press on it. Right, so, right. And, and the PI is kind of a, a black black market press. Yes, yeah, definitely black market, and uh, you you need a password to get to them. But it's it's kind of a mix of a reporter and a private investigator. Right. I mean, he takes right. cases for people and mm-hmm. uses his reporting skills to to uh, look into the things that they they need uh, checked up on. Now, obviously, I don't know about the second and third book, but one one thing you you'll often find in Brian K. Vaughn books is at the end of end of the book, there's a nice juicy cliffhanger and this first book has it yep and, uh second and third do as well okay <laughs> and sometimes that gets tiresome but for for me when i read his stuff then they never do i'm always like oh my god that's awesome i can't wait to get to the next book it's very well written and plotted um, i agree yeah. very very modern um you said he wrote for lost mm-hmm. uh i can i can see that although it's it's nothing like lost but uh, just the level of uh, intricacy and stuff of the plot, you can see, you know, it's there's going to be all kinds of threads weaving throughout the the story, um, and definitely worth definitely worth getting. I mean, you can get it for free, like you said, it's a name your own price thing, and you can download it. They've got PDF and they've got the the different comic book formats. Yeah, I I I definitely recommend it. So, do you think you'll c- continue to get it until the end, or? I definitely will. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you like it. I was a little. I was a little worried that, uh, you know, sometimes when you share something you really like, you want other people to like it just as much. That so was. I was a little bit feeling a little bit risky. <laughs> yeah. No. It's. It's really good. It's. It's. Uh. If more comic books are like this nowadays, I. I might get back into reading them. Uh. Yeah. There's. He's the best there is. There's other stuff that's good, but don't expect everything you pick up at the store to be this. He's he's out of this world good. He does he is writing something in regular comic book form that you might not like. It's a it's more of a sci-fi. It's more sci-fi than this. It's called Saga. It's it's a space opera with all kinds of planet planetary wars and different kind of creatures involved. So 
No, I don't it's mind It's really that. good. I just really good. I was just reading something from the 80s uh, that I remembered from back then, and I got the uh, the graphic novel called Dread Star, which is also a space opera. Oh, then you should check uh, the first book of Saga. The, the first two graphic novels are out on Amazon. The first one, I think I got it for like $5, and the second one's like 12 But they're worth getting. And the neat thing is... I don't I don't have the money to get comic books anymore, but I decided just once a month I'd like to go to the store and I'm going to pick up one book and I, I decided for it uh, to be Saga, and he he has made his letters pages, he's made a letter letter pages which is not common now. Not all books have letter pages, but on top of that, he's insisted there's no no emails coming. It's all paper based, and it's it's fun because people have to really put more thought into the letters they write. And it's a joy to read his letters page because people really do write neat stuff. They write funny stuff. They write interesting insights into the story. Oh, that's cool. And does he include the letters pages in the, uh, in the graphic novel? Does no, that's, the, that's oh, okay. the one benefit you get from the Reading single the, issues. The issues. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, uh, really like it. It's, it's, uh, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but, um, it's, it's it's worth reading. It's you know it's kind of a had a very noir noirish feel to it. Yes, it's very noir for sure. Uh, uh, the, I mean, I, I mean, they may name check it specifically with the with the Maltese Falcon poster, but just the the private eye kind of thing. And uh, the the in the first book, is, I don't think this is giving too much away, but he has a a beautiful woman client come in, so it has that feel to it. Yeah, I would think. Uh, Philip K. Dick fans would enjoy it for sure. Oh yeah, that's true. That's, it does have that going. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's it bodes well for uh, the future of the uh, art forum, I think. And I, I another thing about the art, and I don't I don't mean to keep going back to it, but I really liked in this first book is the illustrations for the secret identities were really good because um, the, some characters wanted to. You can tell what he was doing with it. Like he wanted some character, he wanted to evoke emotions of the characters by what secret identity they chose, and then he did a good job. Like the there was one who was looking for an for his ex. He was he was a fish, and it just it just worked. It just yeah, <laughs> I don't know. yeah, very cool, uh, cool visual style, cool ideas for for the visuals, uh, cool story, just cool all around. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why you would uh, worry about me liking it. Um, well, sometimes you you talk about how you don't you don't really care for science fiction. Well, there's just so much bad science fiction. I, yeah, I think I, I've seen a lot of really bad science fiction movies and and uh, TV shows. Not there's also good. Uh, it's it's just much rarer uh, to me because I'm not I'm not a fan. I, I don't give it as much of a pass as I think sci-fi fans tend to do with with anything uh, sci-fi. Right, and if you since you're not a fan, you're not going to necessarily see the great stuff when it comes out because you don't you're not willing to deal with the bad stuff. Right, right. So I, I yeah, I have to go on uh, reviews and recommendations from from friends. And the problem is some some sci-fi fans are going to really rave about something that's not that's, that's that crap. Might, yeah, yeah. Because uh, for sometimes for me, I will really like a, a science fiction story or speculative fiction, whatever you call it. I will I will like the idea behind it and not like the book, but I'll still enjoy the experience because the idea uh, idea behind it filled my you know, in my imagination, even though the story wasn't well written. So I think I do give things a pass. That I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it to other people, but I do like the ideas because I think science fiction sometimes they 
they have awesome ideas and they don't just don't execute them well. But don't do anything with them. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they do really well like this. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's my problem. Like I said before, it's pretty easy to come up with premises, but you have, yeah. to, you have to be able to back it up with uh, content. But I feel the same way about mystery genre, which is another genre that I love. And sometimes I'll read something and I'll like, oh, this is, this is, oh, I like this little world he's created and this is a good idea. And then the story itself is like, this sucks. Yeah, I, I and that's my uh, genre fiction that I, I go to as mystery, but... You know, I really love like Chandler and uh, Hammett and Jim Thompson. Yeah, um, yeah, they're hard and, to go. And go Ross McDonald, say, uh, but but then there's uh, yeah a lot of really really bad uh, mystery stuff too. Which makes this this comic book really well suited for both of us since it has the mystery kind of uh, background to it. It's like they're taking from that that genre. Yes, yeah, from the Hamm- he's taken from Hammett's. He's taken from the Chandlers. That's that's neat. Yeah, kind of like a, a Blade Runner or um, have you ever read a Gun with Occasional Music? <laughs> I like love John, that. Book. Yeah, yeah, which is another like noirish sci-fi uh, right. book. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, very solid. I I heartily endorse this product. <laughs> and uh, yeah, shit. I, yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I I mean, my problem with with a lot of sci-fi, well, with just a lot of stuff in general, is uh, I I like meat to my stuff, and you know, people will say, well, sometimes I just want to turn my brain off and not think. When I, and I'm like, well, really, is that your problem, thinking too much? <laughs> you, you know, you're not working at CERN trying to <laughs> trying to come up with a unified field theory. I I get much more out of uh, out of intelligent uh, entertainment. Anyway, and I'm not always in the mood for it either, but I always end up enjoying it. And, and yeah. I think yeah. uh, it's very easy to be like, I don't want to watch something with subtitles, you know. I'm just. Not... But then, if you force yourself to, you, you know, it, you'll find that you can still enjoy it. I agree. It's more fulfilling. But I do think even the stuff you turn your brain off for, you you shouldn't, because sometimes you can get more out of it when you're really thinking it through. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. So I mean, sometimes it depends on the you know you're not going to maybe not Big Bang, Big Big Bang Theory, right? Or Transformers or whatever, (laughs) or Michael Uh, Michael Bay in general, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I went to the. Are are we done with the book? Because I don't. I I think so. I know. I don't. There's not. I mean, it was only one issue. I I read. Yeah, I I should have read the second issue to make more of it. But I, I felt like we could have equal amount of space with the two Spider-Mans and one, because the newer books are longer than the older books. So it's like equal. Anyway, I went to the Philadelphia museum of art yesterday and it was a lot of fun. Oh yeah. I, uh, I've never gone to the regular collections there. I've gone to special collections, but never the regular collections. And it's, it's nice. I, I spent a lot more time because the way it's set up on Fridays, the second floor closes early. So we went to the second floor first, just so we could see that. And with the rest of our time, we're going to go to the, first floor and the second floor is a, a stuff i wouldn't usually look at it's more like 15 1600s yeah religious paintings and stuff yeah there's some of that's thrown in there but there's the dutch art is yeah it's not stuff i would normally go to but there's a lot of neat stuff there there's some uh nice uh, nature stuff and some of the religious stuff is interesting and on top of that the the way the philadelphia museum of art is set up is really cool because they they take they take more than just the paintings they'll have They'll have furniture there. 
They'll, they'll, they'll wreck yeah. great entire rooms. I don't, I've not been to a museum that does that quite as much as the, as the filled up because they have so much space. Yeah, it's, where they have rooms set up from like like a medieval room and and uh, they they'll have the furniture and and yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a really nice collection. And uh, then we got to the the impressionist and we didn't have much time to look at them, so I have to go back. <laughs> oh yeah, you do. Because that, that's impressive too. The uh, the impre- what? God damn it! What's the uh, museum there that we went to that one the time? Barnes. The Barnes. The Barnes. Net. Yeah. Now I have to get a membership there because now it's down the street from the. the it's you know, when you were here and you were in Philadelphia. The Barnes was in the suburbs. In its original in a, location. Its original location in a house that the guy the Barnes put together, and he he specifically placed all the art in 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 the collection where it should be and all all that and. Over years and years of court cases, they finally got it moved from there into downtown Philadelphia along the parkway, Which kind of an art parkway. A lot of people were angry. There's a there's a documentary on it. Um, right. Yeah. That is available on Netflix streaming, I think, or it was. Um, and of course, I can't remember the name of it, but it's really worth watching. I haven't watched it, so I should watch it. But now that's happened, and I I don't know what side of the of the, of that this debate I would land on, but now that it's actually happened. I don't care because it's there and it's an amazing building. And they, from what I understand, they re- recreated the the feel of the, the original museum, but but having it still in a new location. So well, that's good. I mean, one of the one of the things about the original was that uh, Barnes had it set up. Spe- very specifically, uh, the, the way you walked through and and the uh, arrangement of the paintings and what order they were in and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hopefully the they thing, honored that a bit. The thing about that collection is, you go to the Philadelphia Museum of Art and you'll see, you know, you'll see a Cezanne here, and it's a good Cezanne, of course. And you'll see, but you'll see some good stuff, but it's mixed in with other stuff. At the Barnes, every single painting you see is the best that they it's had. Amazing, yeah. It's just, it's it's. It almost tires you out, but then there's another room to go to. Yeah, so. well, and I mean, part of the appeal of the barns also was just the uh, the architecture of the actual the actual space. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd be interested to see the new location. But I'll let you know when I finally go to it. That's been on my list. It's been open about a year, but I just haven't made the time to go. Yeah. Well, it's it's a cool place. Everybody should check out the barns and the Philadelphia Museum of Art when you're in town and uh out here stop by the house i'll have some lemonade yeah (laughs) is that what you call it lemonade (laughs) i have it's been years since i've had lemonade oh i got some in the fridge right now (laughs) it's delicious is that what you call it the fridge (laughs) that's what i call my pants (laughs) oh and uh a future sponsor for the show. I went out to to lunch today at, at Silk City Diner, a wonderful place. I don't know why they'd sponsor the show, but I enjoyed my lunch there. <laughs> it's a interesting place for I don't know, let's say 50 years. It was a, a just a regular greasy spoon diner that was feeding the like the all the industry around there, and it was open 24 hours, and they had you know greasy food. But like maybe six years ago, it closed up, and some I don't know the guy's name, but a chef went in and opened it back up, and it's. It's more gourmet food, which I don't care for the gastropub kind of food. No, and this either. is this would be similar to that, but I like the space so much that I don't mind it. And the food is really good. So I went there for dinner tonight, and it was enjoyable. Well, they kind of turned it into a bar, diner, uh, with not greasy food, good food. They'll support the show because they uh, are patrons of the arts. And... Uh... <laughs> 
They're into <laughs> high culture. I, I think it's pretty clear I'm not hipster enough, so I don't know. You are, so you you send you send I, a picture of you in. <laughs> I I do not look like a hipster. I'm no. too old to be a hipster. Oh, both of us are. Yeah, yeah. But um, I was too old to be a hipster at 21, so. <laughs> I mean, we share some hipster uh, tastes, especially in uh, music and probably film, but. Well, I share the hipster taste in films, since I like Wes Anderson and you hate him. Yeah, so there goes my hipster credibility already. <laughs> Good riddance. <laughs> I hate PBR, so there goes mine. Oh, God, me too. <laughs> You're just fucking deluding yourselves, man. <laughs> to prepare for the wedding, I picked up some good beer to bring. I don't know if they get it. You get it out there, but if you ever come across a, a beer called Yards, you should pick it up. Yards. Uh, yeah, they're they're based in Philadelphia. I went to the brewery and I picked up. It's they have something called the Founding Fathers, and it's there's one called Thomas Jefferson, one called Ben Franklin, and one called George Washington. And they're really good beers. Is it so, a microbrewery? Uh, yeah, I don't, well, it's a craft brewery. I don't know if that's okay. the same thing as my Yeah, group. yeah. Yeah, they're, they're small, I, but they're, I think they're pretty popular, so they, they probably have, like, in the, in, they'll have one beer in California, and we've had their IPA, but it's, it's kind of neat to have that kind of thing that you can stop in, and then you go someplace else, like, because the wedding's in State College, so it's, it, it's the kind of stuff they won't have readily available right, everywhere, right. so it's. No, that's cool. I, I. It's funny, I've become such a beer snob, because um, I don't care for wine, um, mm. and I can't honestly taste the difference between wines. Um, I don't have, obviously, a very advanced palate, I guess. Um, and I don't care for hard liquor. Um, but beer, I mostly uh, I mostly drink porter. Porters or uh, any kind of dark beer is my favorite now. Um I don't, I don't even know why I bothered to bring that up, but <laughs> well, in case someone sends you a coupon to the, the pop culture continuum at gmail.com, they know to put a porter coupon and not a IPA. Or you could just send me a case of beer, you know, write to us and I'll give you my uh, <laughs> mailing address, which is not my home address. Cause there's no way I'm giving that out to you motherfuckers. <laughs> I don't have a mailing address. I'll, anything you send to me, just send it to John and he'll send it to me. Yeah. I, well, in case uh, it's a, Oh yeah. If it's, if it's good, you'll keep it. Or if it's a live animal, you can keep it. If it's a live animal, I will keep it. In, <laughs> and also put it in, in your my fridge. fridge. <laughs> <laughs> well, we said it at the same time. <laughs> I think we both get credit for that joke. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, is that it? I, I, that's all I have. Uh, do you want to talk about the next episode? Oh, pe- we should tell people to uh, rate us highly on iTunes, write a review, and uh, add nice us on review, Facebook please. and Twitter. Yes, yes, yes nice we are, reviews. as I've said, we are nobodies, and we're competing against somebodies, uh, a lot of somebodies, uh, with with media reach and uh, and a built-in fan base, so, yeah, and anything you can do. Talent. What's that? And most importantly, talent. And, and yes, actual talent and uh, something to say. <laughs> so, we're at a disadvantage. But, yeah, if you could... I mean, I don't know. I, I can't stop you from writing negative reviews, obviously, if you're a troll or whatever. <laughs> but try not to. But try, yeah, just try to write something nice. Look deep within your heart. Add us on Twitter. Which we'll be happy at know. what you find there. <laughs> yeah, uh, follow us on Twitter. We'll Maybe we'll actually start posting on Twitter when we get well, some followers. Right now, any time of episode, post it automatically posts. 
uh, that there's a new episode. But other than that, I haven't put. Yeah, we should there. maybe. I I know I should actually write a couple things now and then on on the Twitter. Yeah. Just to uh, not be. Not so it's not just shameless self promotion. <laughs> like us on Facebook. Like us yeah. on Facebook. Uh, what are we doing? Now? Oh, we don't know what we're doing next. No, week. no, we do know what we're doing next week. We do. Yeah, we're doing another John versus Pat uh, with Meet John Doe versus oh, the I, Lives I, of Others. I thought that was the one after. I thought the next one was the one we don't know where we know my half, but we don't know your half yet. The cartoon. oh, the cartoon. Oh, so okay, you picked Adventure Time. I was thinking maybe just Ren and Stimpy. Oh, that's fun. That or, sounds... or alternatively, Space Ghost Coast to Coast, because I feel like both of those were kind of kickstarted the uh, revival in uh, cartoons that adults enjoy. I, I say Ren and Stimpy because it's older. Okay, yeah, let's do Ren and Stimpy then. Ren and Stimpy versus Adventure Time. Next Works time. for me, and I'll, uh, and and then. Uh, the one after that will be Meet John Doe versus Lives of Others. Right. Yeah, and that's going to be a fun one. I I have not watched either movie. Well, I've watched Meet John Doe, but I haven't rewatched it for our episode yet. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it'll be fun. I haven't seen Meet John Doe at all. So, um, and I'll I'll pick a episode of Ren and Stimpy, probably the one where they're in space, and <laughs> uh, and you'll pick a episode of Adventure Time, and that'll be the next episode. So you can all bone up if you wish <laughs> to be prepared for what we talk about. Oh, I meant masturbate, but <laughs> Oh, I didn't, I didn't know we still called it that. We hipsters do. <laughs> Damn. All right, everybody. Uh, I guess that's it for this time. And, uh, we will talk to you soon. So, uh, from John, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.